0: Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Covfefe Break on Unsafe Space. Today is, I don't know what, March 23rd. Monday, March 23rd. And um, this is the first time that we have gone live and there's already super chats. Thank you to Ninja Kitty and Tabitha Inman. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, Welcome, everyone. Uh, We missed you. I'm (laughs) Carter, and I'm here with Carrie, who didn't just bring any old hat today. Carrie brought something (laughs) special for you. Here you go. There she is.
1: Hi, Carter. <laughs> uh, thank Hi, you. Chris. Well, and we should say thank you to Little Ragamuffin because Little Ragamuffin organized a raffle that uh, as a raffle to support us, and uh, we didn't realize it last time. But the super chats that we got last time were because of probably because of her raffle. And oh. um, if you do, basically, from what I understand, if you do a super chat. Uh, and it's uh, two, $2.50 two or more. I think you get a raffle ticket for each. She can correct us in the chat, but I think you get a raffle ticket for each one. So thank you, little Ragamuffin. That was very touching. This
0: is unexpected and pretty awesome. We had no idea. So just to be clear, Ragamuffin did this all on her own, what looks like with some help from other people, but this was all unbeknownst to us, so thank you.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, help from other people. The prizes are awesome. So, like, first prize, you get a Tuscan Knits uh, skein. Are we saying that right? I think it's a and skein.
0: I think it's a, a skein. skein. Yes.
1: You get a skein. Why, why
0: I People know like, this is disturbing, but yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, you get a Nibble a PDF knitting pattern. Oh, my God, knit and nipple. You get uh, a ragamuffin pattern. Second prize, you get two s- skeins from potion yarns <laughs> potion yarns is someone we need to talk to at some point I by the way Potion that, Yarns, been, I
0: don't, I don't, I, potion
1: yarns has been on my list they've also faced sjw attacks we oh, we cool. if you're watching we want to talk to you at some point potion yarns uh anyway there's a whole list of prizes you guys can go read them we we put, just posted it on our instagram and uh so it looks like for every uh Oh, no, I got it a little bit wrong. Okay, so for every $5 tip via TipStar, I don't even know what TipStar is.
0: That's our (laughs) Subscribestar tip jar, Carrie.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, for that, you get a raffle entry. For a $5 minimum donation via Subscribestar, you get 15 raffle entries. Oh, $5 a month, you get 15 raffle entries. And if you do a live super chat in $2.50 increments for every $2.50, you get um, bonus double raffle entries. Anyway, thank you very much, little ragamuffin. And for everybody who's donating, we really appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, I wore this hat today to remind myself to be peppy and energetic (laughs) and not be an asshole who leaves Carter stranded live on a show without – my interest or engagement you're not an asshole actually Carrie I'm but I can behave like one without meaning to well that was me trying to rally by the way last time but I thank you to thank I apologize to Carter I apologize to everyone who's watching for being
0: Don't you don't have to apologize I am an asshole often intentionally so I think you you get some passes for free <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, you know what? I wasn't going to talk about this, Carrie. I wasn't planning on talking about this uh too much, but um your hats reminding me of it. Uh unicorn. You know what unicorn means in the startup world, right? Or no. Maybe not everyone does. I'm no. like immersed in Silicon Valley. I don't know. Okay. A unicorn is a company that uh achieves a billion dollar valuation. Uh so if you have a if you're a venture capitalist or an angel investor, um people often will talk about unicorns in their portfolio like oh i'm hoping that one will be a unicorn or whatever and if you're a startup often you obviously have aspirations to become a unicorn Uh, and i think it was coined by aileen from cowboy ventures came up with this and the reason is um if you look at like if you lay out your portfolio and look at valuations on a little graph i think this was the reasoning she had uh there's like there's always that one if if you have a unicorn, right? There's that one that like sticks up. It's like this big spike. Valuation is so much bigger than everyone else cuz that's the one that did well. And most startups, you know, fail and do horrible, so the unicorn's the one that like stands out and and does really well. But um I don't I don't normally talk about television. We don't watch a lot of television, but I'm sorry, I can, is it okay if I talk about a television show for a minute?
1: Please. Please. <laughs> I Look, I need a distraction from my monetary financial situation panic. <laughs> so, well, I will- which quite frankly is overwhelming. So talk to me about TV. Is it about a kid's show?
0: It's not a kid's show. It actually is related to financial overwhelm though. Um, we watched, and I don't say this lightly. Like I, I'm a, uh, I don't watch a lot of television, but you know, there's shows that I love, uh, the old firefly show, that kind of stuff. Like I, I have, I've, I've geeked out over some shows this show, it's a documentary show. It's like a reality television show, actually. Um, it's the best show I've ever watched, ever. Um, and that's probably because I'm an entrepreneur. I Granted. But there's this show called Undercover Billionaire. Have you seen it or heard of this?
1: I've heard of it. I don't exactly know what it is, but I've heard of it.
0: I, I, I love this guy. This... Uh, This show, it's only like eight or nine episodes, I don't know, it's one season. I'm not gonna spoil the show, but I'll give you the premise. And it's related to this whole economic stress. So the guy, um, the guys, so let's start off, we're in a culture right now where kids are being told, and you know this more than anyone, Carrie. kids are being told, uh, the American dream is dead. There's no such thing as the American dream. It's all about privilege. It's the white patriarchy. It's, um, you know, you can't get ahead. No one can possibly make it, blah, blah, blah. Everything's, it's a fixed rigged game. Bernie Sanders tells you like, you know, working class people can't ever get ahead, blah, blah, blah. That's the, holy crap. Sandy, oh, at least it's not US dollars, Sandy. I was nervous for you. Sandy Nitz. just gave us a super chat with a very big number. I think it's about 20 bucks, Thank which you, is still Sandy. a lot. Thank you, Sandy. Um, Thank you,
1: Sandy. Kins.
0: <laughs> uh, I was like, what the hell? Um, anyway, so the, everyone's being told this American dream is horrible. I can't look at chat while I talk cause I'm going to get distracted. Everyone's being told this, um, this dream is dead. And like, you know, you got Bernie Sanders out there and, and AOC and people like that telling youth that there's no way to succeed and, um, everything's unfair. Right? So this dude, um, he is a, first of all, he's a self-made billionaire. Um, now, of course, there's some leftist snark, like there's, there's, there's always like nitpicky people who are like, well, Forbes, who doesn't have access to his finances estimates that he's only worth 500 million. Like who the hell cares, right? We don't know his money. We don't know his actual personal financial situation, but, uh, billionaire, he had, he had a company that was worth billions. He sold the company to Blackstone. Anyway, guys, billionaire, he decides, and he he was self-made. He grew up poor. Um, and he's, he, I guess, got annoyed that there was all of this rhetoric floating around that like, it's all locked. You can't like, no one can make it. The the American dream is dead. Right? So he decided to, (laughs) he placed a million dollar bet on himself to do this. He decided he was going to, in 90 days, he, uh, without using his name, without using his connections, he had a hundred dollars in his pocket and an old truck with, with gas in it he had he was and he didn't know where he was going he had some he had his film crew they filmed all this his film crew uh, he, on his private jet flew him to some location he didn't know. he had a cell phone his hundred dollars clothes on his back I think he had a bag of clothes right for change of clothes and toothbrush and stuff and and an old pickup truck and he bet that He could make a million-dollar business in 90 days, starting from that. And uh, they flew him to Erie, Pennsylvania. In in the winter, there's like snow on the ground when he lands. And I don't want to spoil the show, but the guy is really likable. I mean, he's just... He's really likable, and he... It's it's a tough struggle, but it is amazing and inspirational to watch. And I think... For all of the uh, cynical social justice Marxist professors who are out telling you that you can't make it, uh, this, this show just blows. There's no argument that you need, you just need to watch the show. It's the best show that you could watch. It's the best show that a kid could watch, like who's trying to form their ideas about politics and society and what's possible in their life. It is an amazing show to watch. And, um, I don't know. I just wanted to say that because I, I I fell in love with the show and I fell in love with the guy. The guy is awesome.
1: I would never have known, uh, Sandy Kins is asking what's the name of the show. It's undercover billionaire, right? Yes. Uh, I would never have known that was a good show. So thank you. And thank you, Tara. Tara just gave us, uh, a dollar 99 in chat as well. Super chat. Thank you, Tara. Uh, I really appreciate this. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate you telling me about the show because it's. I, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I
0: used to. I, yeah, I don't either. Um, but, we, you know, here we are and in when I, quarantine.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just saying I don't – and when I do watch it, I don't typically watch reality stuff. But – um, and I just assume, you know, I hear it's reality. I don't really watch it. But right. So I had no idea that was good.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't but have she, watched it, but my wife was you like, you know, have to watch this. So I was like, all right, yeah. It's was great.
1: Mm. So here's what I've been watching.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, please.
1: Pee Wee Herman's, Pee Wee Herman's big adventure, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, it is probably, I forgot how good it is. It is so good. And it used to be one of my favorite movies and, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I, oh my gosh, I was laughing the whole way through and it's kid friendly. Of course you can watch it with your kids. It's hilarious. And I got to be honest, he, I don't know yeah. if I ever saw it. Carter. <laughs> can we you even if we don't Eric, can we do a viewing party cuz I just want to laugh. I like watching it with people <laughs> who've never seen it. I watched it with my fella who'd only seen parts of it and I was rolling. It was so funny. Even when he makes his breakfast in the morning and (laughs) he has this Mr. T cereal and he he has this whole breakfast machine that that makes makes the breakfast for him and he gets this, it's like a pancake with bacon as a mouth and eggs as eyes and he's like making his breakfast, talk to him and then he pours the Mr. T cereal on top of it and he has a big spoon and he only eats like two little pieces of cereal and then he wipes his mouth with his napkin and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just, it's hard to, every little part of it is ridiculous and hilarious. All right, well. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, childhood favorites, so maybe, uh, you know that whole thing about type, reverting to type? Yes. Maybe (laughs) Amber.
0: You've curled up into a little ball in the fetal position on the couch watching kids' movies, is that what you're telling us?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to talk about... Oh, Anthony's here He says, I pity the fool who don't eat my cereal
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, I thought you were going to talk about The Last Unicorn, actually Which is a kid's movie no, That I haven't I've seen in a long time and I want to watch that um, But uh, thank you guys for joining us If it's your first time here We do a daily show uh, Mondays and Fridays called Daily. Well, it's now it's called Confetti anymore. Break Yeah I'm getting used to the fact that it's not a daily show, but uh, we have lots of ideas for other content we're going to be doing during the apocalypse. And, uh, (laughs) actually here's something I want to do. If there's, and if there's people in the chat or or if you know people who would be good for this, feel free to have them send us an email. I want to talk to people who are, who, who can who can give us interesting instruction on things to do from home. Like, I have a friend who does these beautiful uh, color pencil drawings, for example, and I would love to talk to her if she decides she wants to come on camera. You guys have seen this drawing of hers before. This is her um, golden girls, which is awesome. You can find her on, uh, at her on Instagram. It's Julia Mann, And um, she does, she sells a lot of her art at comic cons and all of, obviously all of the comic cons have canceled on her. So, that's a lot of income that she's lost, and I was like, let's just do a show. And you could do, you could even do because she does lessons for kids on and how to draw. And I'm like we could even do a lesson or something fun. But look, if you make soap and you want to come on and talk about how to make soap at home, or if you're a knitter or you know people who sew or any kind of instruction that people new new um, um, hobbies that people could pick up from home, and some of them useful and some of them just creative. That would be fun.
0: I've got a friend who's been, um, she's been using this time to, uh, they're the kind of family that like they are, they always have a year supply of food at home, right? So they didn't, this isn't like a a big event for them, but they, um, she's having to start, she's not having fresh stuff. They decided to like test, well, what would happen if they had to not go out at all? I don't even think they're in an area that's like under shutdown. Like I think she could go to the store if she wanted. She's just kind of testing this. And um she's said that uh, she's got all these recipes from World War II that were like how to make all these things when you're lacking certain ingredients that might be uh, in short supply. And uh, I think that would be kind of fun. I mean, I don't know how we do a kitchen based show, but uh, like there's like stuff like that like think people are stuck at home and sometimes you're not you might not get fresh eggs or whatever or you're out of milk. Um, and uh, so she's she's like, practicing all of these recipes that are uh you know based on short supply of some key ingredients. I don't
1: know. Could do the, the good old uh ketchup on a saltine cracker trick. Mm.
0: You know, Carrie, we <laughs> no. were We 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 realized the other day, I'm this, I'm going to sound crazy. We have Well, like we have you a don't hundred, already. We have 100 pounds of flour. We were like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, how can you possibly use a hundred pounds of flour? I think we should start a pizzeria.
1: (laughs) You could start an at home pizzeria and have people come. You just put it in the mail slot. They don't actually come into contact with you. (laughs) So I've been thinking about all the people, and I know we have a lot of people in our chat who've been affected by the coronavirus and by, you know, not working at home. I mean, not working from home or not going to work. Um, And, uh, uh, one of the things I was thinking about this morning, remember there was that joke about, uh, me being a stripper, which I'm not, that's not what I do. I don't, I don't talk about what I do cause I don't want an <laughs> SJW to get me fired. And so, but, uh, I was wondering like, how are the lap dances happening right now? They're, they're happening across the room.
0: <laughs> it's that scene from Demolition Man where, uh, Sandra Bullock is sitting across the, the couch from, um. Sylvester Stallone, and they put the headgear on. It's all virtual. That's what's going on right now. Uh, Carrie so actually, she's is a stripper, but could be, this is how I know. If she was and didn't want anyone to know, she would say she's not a stripper so clearly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I look, I'm in that boat. I was supposed to work this past Saturday, and um, my Saturdays are gone now for a while. And uh, my doggy. Businesses, obviously, people aren't traveling, and uh, so my income has been cut in half, at least. And I know that there are um, people in our chat who also, anybody basically who works in um, any type of entertainment, if you work with the public, if you're in any type of service industry, um, if you are freelancer, A lot of freelance jobs have dried up. Even some of my writer, like freelance friends, are having trouble right now. Nobody's buying. Like, like so, if you're pitching stuff, pitching shows, pitching books, it's a lot of uh, because those people are not going into work right now. So a lot of people have been affected.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And And even even back end people, like um, you know, you don't think about this, but uh, like people who make certain things that are like the pub, like I don't want to say this. I'm trying to not reveal information about my wife's business because she had to shut down some stuff she was doing. Um, like if you're selling things that are normally sold through those channels, like you don't have any business manufacturing anymore. Like um, people aren't, you know, people aren't going to retail stores and buying the normal things they would buy. They're, they're focusing on food and that kind of stuff and medical equipment. So um, it's it's got like an impact down the road, um, way down the supply chain. I think this is going to be a permanent change to our economy. Uh, I'm permanent. I'm nothing's permanent, but you know, semi-permanent change to our economy. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are obviously affected in, in very negative ways. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to, we're all going to have to pivot a little bit, but maybe it's a good time to buy Netflix stock. I don't know.
1: By the way, thank you, Tara, again. Tara just gave us ten dollars, nine ninety nine. That you, penny, Tara. that penny is so funny to me. Where it goes? Thank you, Tara, for the super chat. Um, so, yeah, some Netflix doc. That's what people are doing. They're home binge watching stuff. I think.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, we can talk about something else. <laughs> we can talk about something well, no, that's I not have... television, if you want, or if you want to keep going. That's fine.
1: Oh, not television? No, I just want to talk – here's the thing about doing the show only twice a week now. It seems like I'm also overwhelmed with all of the news updates and everything that's going on, and um, it feels like I don't know where to start in terms of what to talk about. You know, we kind of touched on, on Friday, this this, – this idea that it's racist to, to call it the Chinese virus. And mm. I just wanted to add a thought to that because that continues to be something that's in my social media feed that people are talking about. I don't know if people realize, in fact, I know that a lot of people don't realize that the Chinese government is putting out talking points on Twitter. We briefly mentioned this, but the global times they're putting out talking points and then you have, and, and they're, they're saying stuff like, you know, look at this president, What a pr- like criticizing Trump's response and saying, look at this president, you know, he's calling it the Chinese virus to deflect from his own mishandling. But that gets pushed and by our media, and then you get people go- running around repeating it, and they don't even realize they're repeating literal talking points from communist China, a country where... Twitter itself is banned for its citizens. They're not allowed to use it, which, right? <laughs> come on, guys. And where the, the media is, they've now kicked all the media out of China. But, Can you imagine but being like, Twitter doesn't around.
0: censor enough. The whole platform has gone.
1: Yeah, you guys don't get to use Twitter. Um, it's kind of fascinating to me, though, the way that, like a virus, the way that things spread, the way that ideology spreads, the way that talking points spread. The way that people can be saying things, and it's they maybe on some level they think this is an idea that they had, but how much of how many of our ideas that out that we think of as our ideas or our opinions are actually just things that are given to us and programmed in us, you know? That's what it was making me think of.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, just to look at this, so this guy, just so you know, like, okay, this person is spokesperson spokesperson and deputy director general, the information department, foreign ministry in China, right? So they're on Twitter. China's on Twitter. He's posting stuff like, hey, how many people, this guy is claiming like, oh, the US, how many people, when did patient zero begin in the US? How many people are affected? They are, China is trying to tell us that, China, China is trying to, so let's, let's just back up. Just This thing started in Wuhan. The Chinese government ignored it. They um, they persecuted the people who were blowing the whistle when it first showed up, right? Um, one doctor eventually died, not because of their persecution, but contracted the virus and died. Um, they, they've been censoring things from day one. So they waited for a while to acknowledge that it was even a thing and stop persecuting people who were blowing the whistle on this. Then they... They've been consistently um, censoring any piece of media, obviously, that portrays their reaction in anything but the most positive light. And now that we think things are maybe getting under control in China, people are starting to return to work. It's not clear... uh, we actually can't trust any of the numbers. We don't really know anything about China. You can't trust anything about what you're hearing from the numbers. Um, even the World Health Organization knows they can't trust the China numbers. Um, but regardless, let's assume kind of things are evening out in China. Now their focus, instead of stopping this, um, their focus has switched to shifting blame. And now they've got people like this guy and others um, you know, ambassadors and spokespersons for the Chinese Communist Party out saying, oh, it was the army, it was the U.S. army that brought this virus into China. It's all the U.S.'s fault. And now they're, they're, they're spending all their time trying to say, look how bad the U.S. is doing. Trump is bumbling it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and of course, because our media doesn't care about you or anything else. They don't care about the truth. They don't want to do any investigative journalism at all. They don't do any work at all. If someone they like says it, if there's a message they like that someone says, they just print it with zero, like literally zero research, nothing. So um, the, the Chinese Communist Party says, oh, uh, Trump is doing a bad job. They just repeat talking points. Anything that the Chinese Communist Party is saying, they're just repeating talking points because they because they hate Trump. And so anything that, they, that the Chinese are saying now, that's anti-american is that they're saying about the leadership so therefore it's about Trump and the mainstream media is just going to repeat it without without so much as doing a lick of investigation on anything they have done absolutely nothing to hold China accountable for anything i mean the chinese communist party is like i said censoring and lying we know all of this if our media were real if if reporters were actually reporters, if these jerks at the New York Times who don't know how to add or, act or divide were were actually reporters, they would be investigating the truth about what's going on in China and what has gone in China and gone on in China and what has been like covering up. They wouldn't just be retweeting talking points from uh, Chinese propagandists, but that's what they're doing. And so I I think partly I'm hoping that partly this is a wake up call to people who. I know there's a few people who still kind of think that uh, our press is full of reporters. Uh, They're not, you shouldn't even call them reporters. They are just hacks. They're propagandist hacks. That's all they are. Um, They have zero, zero talent in reporting. Um, Or if they do, they're just not using it. So uh, I don't know, I just want to, that's a little bit of a rant. (sighs)
1: <sighs> hey um in the chat yep little ragamuffin is trying to post the link to the raffle form but i think it doesn't allow people to post links except for you carter
0: that's probably true uh um, where what link is so, she trying to post i'll just tell me where it is uh, send it to to her and send on skype or something i'll do it or not skype uh, okay. signal yeah um yeah. I'll, I'll post it in chat little ragamuffin um you know carrie the other thing uh Related to this lockdown that I wanted to talk about is, uh, then Tim Poole covered this. A few people sent sent me this. I think Maria sent me this. I think Kent, uh, Anufichuk sent me this. Um, but Tim Poole did a good show about this particular article in campus reform. Have you seen, have you seen the left's reaction to, uh, putting the professors putting their content online? Yes. This is yes. incredible. Right.
1: Okay, so here's here's the thing. Um I I want you to read this actually first before I give you my take. Sorry. Oh okay I interrupted.
0: Sure. No, that's fine. So um we'll just go through this. Professors worried students will share lectures with right wing sites. This is by John Street, managing editor at Campus Reform. Um, And he he starts off with this (laughs) example of a tweet here, Emily M. Ferris, if you're recording a lecture on anything controversial, be prepared for right-wing sites to ask students to share it. He says, professors across the country are taking to social media to express their concern over being forced, forced, I love how they use the word forced, being forced to deliver their course lectures online amid the coronavirus outbreak sharing with each other tips on how to limit the number of people who are able to see what they're teaching students, and criticizing right-wing sites, and even campus reform specifically. Texas Christian University Associate Professor of Political Science, Emily Ferris, tweeted Thursday, and I just read the tweet. Um, And there's there's other people that have now, um, there's other professors now, there's a whole uh, bunch of professors. I've been thinking about that, and even if not recorded, can students record? So... Carrie, why don't you I mean, I don't know that we need to give more examples. This is this is a common theme now happening with professors. They're worried that because they have to transmit this stuff online and they're not behind closed doors like a little cult where no one can criticize them, that suddenly the yeah. words that they're using will 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 get out yeah. into public and and people yeah. won't like it.
1: Why are you afraid of the public hearing the content of your lectures if you have nothing? They have something to hide, which is the fact that what they're teaching is BS, identity politics based Marxism, that they're not actually teaching the, the, anything that's useful. <laughs> they're indoctrinating. And so, yeah, they're afraid. Oh, we don't want to put our lectures online and we don't want to be recorded. Why? If you're teaching a lecture on, if you're lecturing on math, why would you be afraid of people listening in? You know, if you're lecturing on, uh, even if, let's say you're in the humanities, let's say you're lecturing on um, um, something about, which which I agree, historical oppression. Let's say you're talking about some of the things that SJWs talk about. Why would you be afraid of people listening in? Don't you want people to hear your ideas? No, they don't. They don't want you to know what they're teaching kids. I also saw something interesting. Um, I can't find it right now, but it, there's again, there's been so much news and so many things I've been reading. This was about um, public schools, and it was a, it was one or more public schools that have uh, said they've they've said that their teachers can't do remote learning. They're not allowing them to instruct kids who want to learn from home because it uh they said that some kids who don't have access to the internet or to um, <laughs> devices yes i know you're laughing they said that it disproportionately affects kids who are underprivileged and they can't afford they can't learn because they don't have the internet if they don't have the internet so you can't let other kids learn
0: right so th- this is the this is leftism 101 right this is the if if this person yeah. can't get it no one can have it Yes.
1: Yeah. If they can't. And so instead of trying to figure out how do we help any kid, if there are kids who can't get online this day and age, who don't have cell phones. If there are kids who don't have access to this, let's figure out how to help those kids in our school district. Instead of doing that, there's they're doing that classic SJW thing of, well, then nobody gets instruction. We're not going to help anyone because we don't want to disadvantage anyone. It's that old cartoon about how, um, you know, if if you see uh, a building that doesn't have a wheelchair access, it doesn't have a ramp, right. it just has stairs. We need to close the building so, so no one can go. <laughs> well, SJWs instead of building a ramp, will just tear the stairs down so that nobody gets to go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, here's the thing that this struck me about the college. Like, let's take one thing at a time. Let's, let's the college professor thing was interesting to me because um. <sighs> let's think about this for a moment. If you're actually an educator, you actually want to teach people as your job, right? Um, you only limit access to your teaching because you need to make money, right? That's the only reason to limit access, right? You would teach for free if you were kind of magically, uh, you know, compensated for this. You, 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 you charge tuition, therefore you need to, you know, make sure people who haven't paid tuition don't get into the lecture. Like it's a, it's an economic decision to not post everything online, teach the world. Right? It's an economic decision because if you didn't care about the economic decision, you wouldn't be behind closed doors at a university. You would be teaching everywhere to everyone because you would think that what you had to say and the the, the subject matter was vital and important because this is what you've chosen to teach in your life and that everyone should know it and everyone should hear your arguments and everyone should hear what you're saying because what you're saying is very important and you've chosen to dedicate your life to it. So it, it reveals something to me that these professors are not actually teachers because a teacher celebrates the opportunity for their lecture to get leaked. A teacher celebrates the opportunity for a wide dispersal of of the knowledge that they're sharing or the arguments that they're making. Only cult leaders are worried about outsiders hearing what they have to say. It's only cult leaders. It's only people indoctrinating that are worried. Teachers don't fret other people hearing what they have to say. In fact, teachers have a bias for wanting other people to hear what they have to say and regretfully need to close the door because they need to make money. Um, And so this really indicates that, you know, when we say teachers should get paid more or teachers aren't being compensated or professors, whatever, they're not teachers. They're not teachers. Fundamentally, these people, these people on Twitter who are posting like, how do I control my lecture? They're not teachers. And we have to stop Thinking of them as teachers, teachers don't have that attitude. I snake agree. oil salesmen do, and cult
1: snake oil salesmen, cult leaders. Yeah. yeah, and there are teachers mixed in with that, but they're not the ones complaining about having to put their lectures online. No, or, they're the people like Jordan
0: Peterson who've been putting it. their lectures on YouTube is forever. They're the ones who've been begging the university for permission to put their lectures online.
1: Yeah, isn't it funny how the people they attack and uh, like Peterson are all about Transparency. Here's what I'm teaching. You guys can have free access to my lectures, and then and then they, like you said, the cult leaders are are all about secrecy, hiding behind closed doors. We don't want them to hear what we're doing, yeah. and they don't seem to notice that. It's just like the it's just like the SJWs on um, Instagram, the the ones in the knitting world, they're all about closing everything down. Th- that's the reason they ban people. They don't want you to comment they want it behind closed doors they want their little community being indoctrinated being pumped full of this crap and if you're not on board and you're not open and receptive to it then you can't comment even tiger do we never officially talked about this on the camera tiger got banned tiger Mm -hmm. got put on a block list my dog
0: (laughs) well i mean just look at him
1: look at him (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) well you know i i i um Someone, someone in chat, real little muffin just said public schools are crap. Um, the only thing she had an issue with from my rant last Friday was uh, lots of really great teachers held back by the government. And um, really great teachers would agree with my rant, though. This is the thing. And there have been really great teachers. Um, if you have not read John Taylor Gatto, uh, he wrote a book called Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling. He was a New York uh, public school teacher. He... Uh, I think he won best teacher in the city and best teacher in the state, like several times. Like he was an award-winning teacher. Uh, I don't think, I don't think he could, uh, well, I don't want to say this. I don't think I could be more harsh than he has been. Uh, I mean, he's dead now, but than he was, uh, against public schools. Um, good teachers hate the school system. Good teachers absolutely hate the public school system. Um, and you know, a lot of them maybe started out with good intentions and learned to hate it. And I think he falls into that category of someone who thought he was going to go do good and learned how horrible government schools were and ended up writing books about it and um, really advocating to do away with the existing public school system. So uh, while I do agree that, yes, there can be some great teachers, great teachers figure out pretty quickly that they are working for the empire and that they're a stormtrooper and that they join the rebellion. Uh, as soon as they figure it out, so uh, that's that's the only comment I wanted to make out there. On on the,
1: um, go ahead. I had a one comment. Daniel Taylor in chat says, um, quote, "We won't let anyone do it." End quote. And he said, "Well, then the rich will find a way, and your stated intent is subverted." He's talking about the the case that I talked I mentioned right. where they're saying we're not going to teach kids, we're not going to do online classes for kids because some kids uh-huh. don't have access to the internet. And that's true. Rich people will find a way to educate their children. So you're really just you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're not helping anyone. You're there's it doesn't it doesn't prevent people from making sure their kids are educated.
0: Rich people have always found a way to do it. In fact, I don't think a lot of people realize this. Schools generally were for they weren't for the rich. Schools were designed for the lower classes. Uh, Rich people had tutors. Rich people didn't go to school. You didn't go to school if you're rich. You had tutors. You had tutors. you learned stuff. You were educated. you read Shakespeare or whatever you had you had tutors. you had you had tutors around you. You had lived a cush life. Schools were designed for people who couldn't afford that. Schools were designed for everyone who wasn't rich. So um yeah it's it's kind of odd uh, that they're going to uh, yeah that they're going to do that. I, I agree. I think one of the things yeah, the that,
1: other Daniel go ahead. Daniel Keene says rich kids aren't in the public schools anyway. This is a campaign to keep the poor uneducated. I mean, that's the result. Yeah, and that's not true. The rich aren't in public schools,
0: generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I'm thinking is, I was thinking about this college professor thing and why they're so scared of it. So you can say, on the one hand, they're gonna get exposed for lying. But you know, a lot of us, especially people like Campus Reform, for example, we all know you're lying anyway. Like, we all kind of know you're lying. We'll just have a lot more ammunition and uh, we'll be able to cite specific examples of, of your lying and your bullcrap. I'm wondering if one of their concerns, Carrie, is parents of college kids. Because let's say you're chunking, let's say you're plunking down 40k a year for your daughter to go to uh, some state school, and she's studying, she's getting a gender studies degree or taking gender studies classes or whatever. Now, you know, when you talk to her on a regular basis, how's school going, honey? Oh, it's fine. You know, you're not, le- you don't learn a lot about her curriculum. She's not sharing with you stuff and like she might come home at thanksgiving and be obnoxious but you know it's kind of not clear what the arguments are and where they're coming from and and uh but she's been at this point she's likely been kicked out of the dorms so she's probably gone back home and she's gonna be sitting there on her computer uh watching lectures and there's an opportunity for parents to be exposed to what they're paying for and I imagine as I'm trying to put my, uh, you know, my daughter's not college age, but oh yes, I'm trying to put my, my parenting hat on for a kid that age, thinking I'm scrimping and saving, possibly taking out loans. Some people take out second mortgages to, to send my kid to school. And the, to see some of these lectures myself and realize what I'm paying for, I, I'm i not sure she would go back the next semester. I think that would become a very, that that it, I'm very unlikely to continue supporting college. And even if I have committed to that child, then like, fine, I'll continue paying. I'm going to do it re- begrudgingly. And the younger brother or sister, uh, I'm going to have a much, I'm going to be much more careful about where I sent her. I'm going to scrutinize stuff much more. And I'm likely to not support sending this person to, the next kid to, uh, a university where they're just going to be indoctrinated. So I think they're okay. I think they're hiding it not just from the general public but they're hiding it from parents.
1: Totally hiding it from parents. That's a great point. You Do you remember the episode where we went through one of my old college papers on the movie Gilda and about <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> and and all the SJW stuff I had to write like and it was it, and if my parents had been reading what I was working on Okay, so set aside. I was a biological anthropology and anatomy major. Those papers, they would have been fine with. Right, they were about at nine, that time. Yeah. <laughs> now, right. Well, now even those papers are probably heavily SJW because it's in, it's infiltrated into the hard sciences. But um, but if they had been my minor was women's studies, and if they had read any of that crap, that Gilda paper. And speaking of, to bring this back to Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, because I want to bring everything. Because back of course we so no.
0: need to bring it back to Pee Wee Herman. Because
1: of course. So as I was watching it, uh, I remembered, excuse me, I had forgotten, but I remembered, I'm pretty sure I did an entire paper on Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure and the the homosexual gaze, G-A-Z-E. And yeah, it was the Laura. Mul- I think Mulvey is her name. The feminist person who wrote about like the, the heterosexual gaze in film. And that was in the Gilda paper. I wrote anyway, somewhere in that huge box of, of coursework that we want to go through at some point and pull out all my crazy S J W stuff. There is a paper about Pee Wee Herman's big adventure. And my parents spent a lot of money for me to go to school and watch that movie and write about, um, the subverted homosexual elements of, of Pee, Pee Wee Herman.
0: Herman. Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't be. I mean, I, I didn't really watch Pee Wee Herman, but I wouldn't be surprised. If that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, right. let's, let's be honest. Pee Wee Herman is, he's no Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> he's no Dwayne Johnson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, oh, crap. What crap? Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're crap. afraid of parents listening in.
0: Yeah, I think they're afraid of parents listening in and they're afraid of being uh, and, and obviously they are afraid of being exposed by by people who will now have access to the particulars of their argument. And you know, and it may also be that I, I was thinking about this also. So one of this is a psychology thing. It's it's easier sometimes if you're going to um if you're gonna indoctrinate you, you, it's easier to have everyone kind of co-located in a group because there's social pressure to agree with you. So, um, you can use that to your advantage if you're a professor and you're saying something and like other people aren't speaking up, you can kind of manage a crowd a little bit different than the differently than you can manage individuals. So if you're doing this remotely, um, if I'm watching it, I'm not sitting next to someone else watching it and next to someone else watching it, I don't have the experience of being in the crowd and and getting the peer pressure from the crowd. I'm kind of isolated, which means I'm kind of forced to use my own judgment about what you're saying. And that's very dangerous. They don't want me using my own judgment. They want me to be uh, looking out around me. They want me to be a social metaphysician. They want me to be looking at the crowd around me and, and like, what does everyone else think of this? I'll go along with that. They don't want to invite individual critique. And so I think another problem with distance learning is um, they lose the ability to manage that dynamic. And I think a lot of the good good, a lot of the the good social justice, a lot of the best propagandists, a lot of the, the, the best cult leaders are really uh, highly attuned to the crowd dynamic and know how to work the crowd. And if someone has a disagreement, they know how to use that and turn it so that um, it it's unites most of the crowd and ostracizes that one person. And you can't do those dynamics. It's very hard to do online. It's not the same as being in a room. Yeah. So it also is disempowering for these people because they're not just teaching math, which you can do just as easily remotely as you can full of a class of people because awesome. math doesn't rely on peer pressure yeah so
1: agreed okay so I have something else I want to talk about as related to this Mm -hmm. if that's cool yeah um just you know we've been you and I and and some of the people we've had on as guests in the past we've been talking about how we kind of live in the upside down world now how just different and interesting everything is and the 2016 election was fascinating to me in some ways um, like the results of it because because I because people switched side quote unquote sides you had people like my Republican uncle telling me he was either gonna vote for Bernie or Trump way early which that was the first indication I got that Seemed something like was going to be different
0: choice yeah yeah
1: I was like that's interesting <laughs> he narrowed it and down to those so, two
0: that's odd <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and then you had and then I know there were a lot of people, Democrats who went for Trump. There were Republicans who didn't vote for Trump. You know, there, there was just like a lot of interesting um, cross pollination, maybe, or people migrating or just just different kinds of choices. And I think 2020 is going to be even more interesting. And one thing that's happening that we briefly touched on on Friday, but um, but they've since voted on the stimulus package is that Trump in proposing this $1,000 to each american you know who makes under 75,000 or something like that. He is and Jimmy Dore the progressive comedian pointed this out. He's attacking them from the left. Right. And because they oppose everything he does, they're opposing it. And I just feel like I just posted this morning because I was reading about it and I watched Tim pull's video about um about the democrats blocking the coronavirus stimulus package. I mean, did you ever think we would live in a time where it's the Republicans who are saying the government needs to give us $1,000 checks and then the Democrats are the ones saying, no, the government shouldn't give us $1,000 checks? Like, what world and what timeline is this?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I, I hate to... I gotta be honest. I kind of did because... I I think people are waking up to the fact that there there aren't really two distinct parties. This isn't a Democrat Good. Republican issue. This is a Trump Good. versus everyone issue. And Trump is not my favorite person either. But um, yeah, this is not this is just a it, is, it has been a uniparty for a long time. Uh, you know, Democrats only talk about being anti-war. They don't actually do anything anti-war. Republicans only talk about being anti-welfare state and small government. They don't actually do anything to make the government smaller. They are both pro-war, pro-big government, both parties. They just have um, different window dressing to a large extent. Obviously, there's exceptions. Ron Paul was a uh, Republican, but he wasn't really a Republican. All right, we all know he wasn't really a Republican, Um the mainstream of both parties is is pretty aligned on a lot of things they have different things they like to spout their mouths about like they like to shoot off their mouths about different topics differently but when it comes down to how they vote and what they do they're almost identical and that's one of the things that like i've never understood why people get so excited about this party versus that party because it's like you realize there's no difference Right, like you have you not noticed? There's no difference.
1: They no no people haven't, and and because they have such a stranglehold, these two parties, and they don't. We don't have a, a multi-party system. I mean, we do, but they don't ever get enough of a, a percentage, the third party. Um, then they're able to keep people just really emotionally invested in their te- their so-called team, right? But I think you're right. I think people are starting to wake up from that and say, these teams are BS. <laughs> these teams are the same. My One of my favorite Bill Hicks jokes is the one where he says, uh, are you familiar with Bill Hicks? You would love him.
0: Uh, I know the, is he the – comedian? he's a comedian. I think I've seen him a couple times he, on YouTube. Uh, so he, I think I'm vaguely familiar yeah. with him, yeah.
1: So he died um, – um, he was a really heavy smoker, uh, but you can, you can find some of his stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And one of my favorite jokes of his is when he was, he was like, this is politics in America and he mimics a crowd and it's like, you know, I like the puppet on the left. And then this other guy, it's like, well, I think the puppet on the right is more to my liking. And then some guy goes, Hey, wait a minute. It's just one guy holding up both puppets.
0: And then, the, and then both <laughs> and puppets says, proceed to beat him up. Yeah.
1: Well, then he goes, "Go back to sleep, America. Your government is in control." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's what it is, right? Um, I, I'm wondering. I don't know. I mean, I think what's happening, what I'm seeing here. Me, tell me, tell me if you're seeing anything different. What I'm seeing with this coronavirus thing is, um, I'm seeing two kind of different reactions. <clears throat> I'm seeing, but they're not left versus right. It's not Democrat versus Republican. Um, I'm seeing a group of people who are saying. Uh, hey, we want more government, more authoritarianism, more socialism. They're the the people who are like, the problem with the healthcare system is the government's not involved enough. Like, I don't know how you have that idea, but like, how could that possibly be the problem? Um, So, like, (laughs) okay. Like, we need more. Tell us what to do. Uh, There's those people. Well, I know
1: why people have that idea, but go ahead.
0: Okay, fine. But like, there's the people who are like, we need more of this government stuff, because, ah, save us. Right? But... The silver lining is I think there's a lot of people who are who are realizing like, oh, the government never can protect me. They never can protect me. It was never about their ability. They can't and they never will. I have to protect myself. And actually, they're kind of in the way. Uh, this kind of sucks. Uh, I should be able to protect myself and I don't want the government in my way. They're just kind of in the way and I can't actually rely on them to save me. And I think that and, – and those are the people that are kind of like – yeah, why why are the cops still arresting people for stupid crimes that are uh, <laughs> that have no victim? Why why can't I go out and take their own risk and do this thing myself? Why are you forcing me to shut down my business? Like, I could take precautions. Like, these people are, feel the government in their way. Um, and they're realizing that the government can't actually protect them from anything. And so, I don't know, maybe we'll start to see a shift of, like, people who want to be sheeple and people who want to have... Independence and responsibility. I'm maybe that's a pipe dream of mine, but those are kind of the two categories of reactions I'm seeing, and they don't seem to be. Uh, it's not a one-to-one correlation with what political party you're in. Is that what you're seeing, or no? Yeah,
1: yeah that is what I'm saying. By the way, Daniel Keene in chat says, if you want to see the real situation, look at how the GOP and the DNC treat third, third party candidates. There is nothing that brings the parties together faster than a viable third party candidate. That is true mm-hmm. that they, they align. And they what they do is they try and make such a boogeyman out of the other party's candidate that then all the little zombies pile on and say, how dare you vote third party? If you vote third, I remember even before I really started waking up the night of the election, I saw friends of mine on the left, a lot of friends posting long screeds, attacking third party voters and attacking people like Susan Sarandon, you know, for supporting Jill Stein and just, you know, this is on you. This is your fault. And even then I, I, I hadn't had this. I was I was kind of at the beginning of this awakening or change in the way I looked at things, but even then, I was saying it's not the fault of third party voters. They're voting their conscience. That's what you should do. That's what we should do. It's it. If anything, it's the people who are voting out of uh, fear and manipulation. I think that you're wasting your vote. Vote out of your conscience. Right. So
0: yeah, and uh, but they who's will. Not they been. the left. Go ahead.
1: Well, I, I mean, I am i haven't been on the right, so I don't know if the pressure is the same there, but I will say on the left, it is, it was relentless during the 2016 election. My friends were just, it was constant, you know, anybody who was considering voting for Stein um, was a traitor. You were, I mean, you were a non-person. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I, I, can, so, I can say as someone who spent decades not voting and before that voted libertarian, um it's way worse on the left. Um, the Republicans will they'll give you a little bit of crap. They'll be like you're wasting your vote. You should really vote for blah 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 whoever it is, right? Um so you'll get that you'll get the you're wasting your vote stuff or, you know, whatever. But um the la- but they but they but the Republicans this is my experience anecdotal. The Republicans response is is always one of like you're a fool, you're you're an idiot, but you know, you're just causing problems. You're you're wasting your vote, right? the response of the, the democrats um they're angry at you they hate your guts for doing it um they yeah. feel like you've betrayed them personally and that you're single-handedly responsible for the demise of culture uh like you're the worst person in the world and um yeah. so while they both oppose it <clears throat> there I have noticed a difference coming from the right you know and and the left but I don't know if that's always true
1: <clears throat> everybody okay so kent says and and maria also came in hi maria hi kent And they were like, oh, you started early. Yeah, we started early because we're doing an interview later today. We had to start early. I apologize. Nicole Pratt of the Mountain People. Thank you, Nicole, for the super chat, 25 bucks. Uh, What the heck? It's not noon mountain time. What is going on? (laughs) Hopefully this gets me in the raffle. Sorry, I'm late. Yes, Nicole, that gets you in the raffle. I think that gets you a lot of raffle tickets. Um, If you guys missed the beginning, little ragamuffin, was really kind. She put together a raffle to support unsafe space with a bunch of other people, uh, including Tuscan knits, uh, Knit and Nipple, and Potion Yarns, among others. And uh, if you guys donate um, either via our Subscribestar or in the Super Chat today, um, it wins you some raffle tickets. You can get cool nifty prizes from some of those people. So thank you guys. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us. I'm sorry we started early.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know what we we did. I I pushed it out last night, saying we were starting an hour early because I knew this would happen. Um, but of course, I assume YouTube didn't alert anyone. Alerts have been on for you know uh, at least at least twelve hours. No, probably.
1: YouTube doesn't hours, tell yeah, anyone. They don't tell. Anyone. Yeah.
0: So, um, Carrie, you know, uh, I I've got another thought about this um, coronavirus thing because. Um, you know how you said it people reverting to their I forget, I keep forgetting exactly how you word it, but they reverted to their true selves or whatever during this.
1: They revert to type. Revert to type. Maybe. Thank you.
0: Uh oh, Daniel Keene said said he got a notice for the video. Um anyway, uh they revert to type. Something else that I think is is happening which um is interesting is we are we're reverting to. I think I think it might have been Tim Pool that said this. I've, someone else said this, and I want to give them credit, but I can't remember who it was, so I apologize. But um, we're we're reverting to. How um, do I don't want to say this? Our ideologies, a lot of the the popular ideologies, are not based on reality. And when you're faced with an existential threat. Um, ideas and belief systems and ways of being that aren't tied directly to what's real aren't very beneficial and so people are actually reverting to um they're they're giving up some of these ideologies because just as an example right when you've got the coronavirus when you're when you're threatened with the coronavirus let's just say that's your big concern there's other people that are more concerned about the response to the virus but let's talk about the virus for a second um it's all well and good to be worried about how many black trans people are on the committee for blah, blah, blah. But when your life is in danger and you you perceive an existential threat, you don't want to hear about how there need to be more trans women doctors uh, or whatever. Like you want it fixed and what you care about is a meritocracy. You want the best people working on it and because it has a direct impact to you and it's an important impact. And so suddenly all of these, uh, we'll call them, Uh, these kind of champagne socialism, first world socialism problems that are invented by bored people with a high standard of living in the West, suddenly those problems don't seem like they're a big deal. Like, do we really need to argue over representation on this particular committee? And obviously, yeah, sometimes the New York Times or Washington Post still thinks that's what we should be arguing about, but people look at that and they think it's ridiculous. And you know, I forget who said this, but they were comparing it to the the zombie apocalypse and they were like, look, if if a zombie apocalypse, I think it was Tim Pool. If a zombie apocalypse is happening, right? Uh, you revert you revert to gender roles. No one is like, well, you got to hold the ax last time, Dwayne Johnson, but it's time for Elizabeth Warren to hold the ax because a woman needs to be in that position as well and we need 50-50. Like, no, stand by the door and hold the ax. Like, that's you're the guy, you're bigger, you've got bigger muscle density, go do that. Uh, Those aren't Tim Pool's exact words, but I think he's got a point. There is a reversion, there's like a, there's a a recognition that a lot of this ideology is completely disconnected from reality and um, I think an existential threat really drives home uh, the obvious ridiculousness of this and the impracticality of it. Because if you have a moral view of the world, um, it's it's not incompatible with the, a practical view of the world. You know, proper morality is built on... Uh, f- one of the foundations of proper morality is a recognition of objective truth and facts. You can't have Morality without a a recognition of what's true and real objectively. And so, um, if you've got a system of ethics or morals that are built on something that's not true, that's built on a lie, you can pretend that that's a valid system of ethics so long as you're relatively safe. But the minute that reality rears its ugly head and you're at threat, you don't have the luxury to pretend that, you know, trans women are women anymore. It's over. You've got to focus on what's actually real. And that, I think, uh, undermines a lot of these stupid ideologies.
1: Okay, you, this, is, this is why I wanted to do a sketch a while back, and I still wanna do it, we have enough money. But um, I wanted to do a sketch, that, this was like from a year or two ago, where it's some sort of apocalyptic event, and you're in a bomb shelter, and the bombs are falling, but it's a bunch of SJWs organizing everything and they're arguing over right. gender-neutral bathrooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's focusing on ideology and ignoring the reality of your situation. That's like that Vice article we read on Friday about transgender surgeries. And, you know, what this pandemic has really done is shown us how transgender people's right. surgery should be deemed necessary. No, that's not what this pandemic has done. Right. <laughs> right. um also Kent reminded us of that terrible song that we covered that time put a woman in charge oh my god that? I forgot
0: about that song that was horrible yeah
1: <laughs> um thank you Yarn Hoarder for the super chat thank you very much Yarn Hoarder also said um she's gonna donate some yarn to the raffle oh, so awesome. that's
0: cool and Yarn Hoarder and is also yarn. a fiber art freak I feel like we need to say that because it's very important
1: yarn hoarder fiber art freak and then also um opage is that how you say your name thank you opage for the super chat
0: is it zero page opage opage i don't know zero what it
1: is. Page? i
0: don't know i'm gonna call you zero page because it sounds kind of dark i don't know anyway uh um, yeah. one other
1: one other quick funny thing mm-hmm. from the chat i saw was <laughs> i love these callbacks to some funny things because we need laughs today Put a woman in charge song is hilarious, and <laughs> almost as hilarious is Daniel saying point of personal preference.
0: <laughs> Wait, is it personal preference or personal privilege?
1: I think it was personal privilege, but hey, yeah. you can you have <laughs> you a preference, modify. Daniel. It's okay. <laughs> point of personal privilege.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, exactly. It, in war. Or in some oh see zero page says zero page it is see it is a little bit more badass it's not opage or anything it's, it's zero <laughs> page um, yeah I mean in in like I said in an emergency you, you need to be focused on what works and no one wants to argue over transgender bathrooms so I mean this could be good um, this could be good I am concerned about the the readiness with which um, everyone seems to be embracing this idea of um, government bailout because. Here's the thing. Um, I have been saying self quarantine. Like I've I've advocated for self quarantining. We've been self quarantining. Now, granted, we're in the Bay Area, so we have a higher likelihood of running into um, problems. But uh, that doesn't mean I think that what the government is doing is good. And it, it's what's frustrating here is governments are overreacting. They are forcing people to stay home um, and taking the The choice out of people's hands they're forcing people to stay home um they're shutting down businesses they're destroying the economy intentionally and then offering themselves up as the savior to help you get through these times by sending you a check Um, i i I don't know i guess are you you're being duped into socialism i guess uh you know i'm not saying don't cash the check if it comes cash the check great
1: yeah, comes cast the check. You know. I'm more forgiving of that because I've, I'm one of those people who is hopeful that you can do something unusual during an unusual time and then roll it back. But, of course, maybe we can't. I, I don't know. There, It's hard to roll back social services, that's for sure, once they've started. Then it's sort of like an expected. I don't know. Yeah. Um, mm. You guys in the chat are making me laugh. Why? Another another great song. Maria says another great song is Taylor Swift's new song, "The Man." Have you seen this, Carter? No. I saw it. Uh, It's Taylor Swift dressed as a man, and she's prancing around and singing about. Somehow she became very woke lately, and the song is all about how much better her life would be if she were a man.
0: Want me to show you how she became woke? I can show you how she became woke really quickly. She. That's how uh, she did it. Just, <laughs> she touched just, the air, just testing the well, wind. <laughs> Time to be woke.
1: Um, here's the funny thing about it. There's there's stuff in there that the man that and and I watched a Ben Shapiro clip about this, which was pretty good. Um, Shapiro was pointing out, you know, you are one of the elite of the elite how would your life be so much better if you were a man? And on top of that, there's things she's doing in there that you would never, she's dressed in a three-piece suit. She's dressed like a businessman and she's like whizzing in a subway against the wall. It's like, I don't see men, corporate men peeing on walls. Like, what are you even talking about? Is that, and (laughs) your song is about, that's the best you have to sing about right now. I mean, that's really, I think what it is, is you reach a certain point for some people, some artists, you reach a certain point in fame where your life is, it no longer resembles a normal life and you, you have trouble coming up with the well is dry. You have trouble coming up with things to sing about that other people can relate to. And so you tap into the well of social justice or like you said, put your finger in the air and see which way the wind is going. And you pick up on something that you think will be popular because it's political, whether you're on the left or the right, if you're, if you're trying to make political songs first, and the art is secondary, I think it's going to suck. But you try and pick up on something like that because there's nothing, what do you have to sing about that people can relate to? And even your song, nobody can relate to that. I don't know men who are behaving the way that you're portraying in that video.
0: Well, and I just want to be clear. If Taylor Swift was a man, she wouldn't be famous. Uh, She's famous because she's hot. That's what
1: Ben Shapiro says. She's
0: not that, like, her her music's not that great. She's, like, she's famous because she's a hot chick. I'm sorry, but, like... That's, that's like 90% of her fame and success is her femaleness. So if she were a man, she would have like a desk job somewhere or like be struggling in a bar or trying to sing. I don't know. She wouldn't be famous and rich.
1: That's, that was Ben Shapiro's point too. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, anyway.
0: how many, how many guys singing sex icons who are like kind of mediocre are there? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe some rap artists type guys, but like. I don't see, I don't see a lot of (laughs) male versions of Taylor Swift out there. Do you?
1: I don't think so. Well, but that makes me think of, I don't think we mentioned this on Friday. Do you remember that musician? I don't know any of his songs. I just know him because he was in the news about um, coming out as non-binary. Sam Smith.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Ian got you. Sam Smith.
1: Oh, he got me. But he's not that famous. He's
0: not Taylor Swift.
1: Okay, but Sam Smith, remember him? Carter, we talked about him. He yeah. came out and he wants to be called they and them. Uh-huh. Okay, so he posted on Instagram. He's apparently sick, not necessarily with coronavirus. He doesn't know. He could just have the cold. Who knows? He's been self quarantining in his mansion. And on Instagram, he posted three selfies and he said, the stages of coronavirus quarantine. And it was him, like, looking sad and then, like, kind of like this. And then the last one was, like, him crying. And I just don't, again, I think you're at a level of fame where you don't know how to relate to the average person anymore. I mean, we're all, Nicole in chat just said she had a cry today, finally. And I'm like, welcome to the cry party. I'm right there with you. I've had a cry, but I'm not posting selfies on, nobody, nobody looks at that and goes, oh, poor Sam Smith. Or I don't know many people who would say, oh, poor you, sheltering in your mansion with your... Yeah, you know what I mean, like. Well, and this is the other thing, like the thing that
0: it's only been like a week or two. So unless you're being economically hit by this, this is not a big deal. If you're being economically hit, absolutely, it's a problem. But that doesn't apply to any of these celebrities. They have like that's not the problem for them. Mm. So, like, is it really that like? Oh my god, I haven't been able to go out out and like hang out and party for a couple weeks. Like, this is not a big deal, guys. He said, I'm so bored. Right. That, that means you're boring, by the way. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, really, people who think that the, people who are yeah. bored are boring. That's just my like anyone who's like, I'm so bored. I, I'm sorry. That's on you. You're boring. There's like a million things to do in the world. There's like an entire Internet in your hands. You can access any piece of information like about anything, every like all over the world. If you're bored, especially in 2020, you're the problem.
1: Yeah, my friend was saying, um, especially for people who live alone right now, uh, which he does, he was saying, you know, you really have to be at a place where you like yourself because you're the company you're around if you're in a quarantine mm, or if you're in it's iso- self-isolating. And if you don't like yourself, well, yeah, if you're right. bored, well, yeah, right. the company's boring. <laughs> the company's you.
0: There's no one to distract me from <laughs> me. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you know, well yeah the celebrity thing uh celebrities have been not only out of touch but just showing their kind of true colors with this whole thing they're all narcissists someone said that sam smith is a narcissist yeah i mean of course most of them are extremely narcissistic i think so i think that is par for the course i mean, I think you kind of need to be in many ways so i don't know anything else Carrie, or should we call it a day
1: we do have an interview to prep for a little bit. I need to prep. You're you're prepped. I know you're a prepper.
0: Yeah, you know I'm prepped, but uh, I could be more. I can always be more prepped. Uh, I am. I, yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm prepper. Uh, a little bit of. I'm not as much of a prepper as you think, but I, I guess I should stop saying that because I, I mentioned my hundred pounds of flour, so I'll just be quiet.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> your seventy masks.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Good thing nobody knows where you live, Carter. We'd be showing up. Give uh, us a mask, flour.
0: You'd you'd be you'd eat some lead. I
1: think.
0: So. <laughs> uh, yes, it is good. You know, actually, I'm going to say this about. There's been a, um, a weird resentfulness, which I uh, I think is a problem with our culture. I mm-hmm. get that you want to criticize people who ran out at the last second and got into literal battles at the store over toilet paper. Paper, I, I get that. They're they're horrible. You don't battle people over toilet paper and freak out at the last second. But I planned. I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you my supplies. I don't owe you my mask. If you didn't plan, stop bitching about people who have stores of things. I planned for my family. And like, that's admirable. That's not something to be ridiculed and condemned and for you to feel resentful about because you didn't plan. And I've seen a lot of people like... People who are hoarding blah, blah, blah should be, I'm not hoarding, I planned. I planned because I'm smarter than you Ah! and I planned. And if you just lived a carefree life and didn't give a crap and didn't plan, that's your problem. I may be generous with people that are in my life that I know and love who need some help, that's fine. But I don't owe you anything. You don't, planners and people who prepped do not owe other people who didn't prepare anything. And it doesn't make us bad. Like, K-selected no, people don't I, owe R-selected people anything. Let's put it that way.
1: Where do I fall? Am I K-selected or R-selected?
0: You don't even know. I think you're a little bit R right now, but I think you're on a journey <laughs> to K. I think there's some there's some Look, changes I, going on in you, so you're you're kind of in a no-man's no land.
1: The, I'm more K than you realize. You okay. just think I'm R, but okay. I'm more K than you yeah, realize. That may be. I don't know. Um, I don't actually even want any of your 70 masks. I have my own mask. Thank you. I want my confefi candle.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, was, I, was, I didn't mail it because I was going I, to bring it with me to Texas. But uh, now I guess I should mail it because I didn't go. So, yes, you're right. I should. Yeah. Nicole Pratt okay. in chat says Carrie has ammo. So you prepped in the most important way which is good.
1: I've always been prepped there. Yes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh man, it was some something about being prepped and about the resentfulness. Oh, here's one of the, so I'm, I have, a, I'm in a local forum for my, my, um, town and I've seen the worst and best of humanity. Guys, if you're not in your local town, if you're in a small town, join your local forum. It It's real insight into the human psyche. And, uh, I've seen some really generous charitable posts and people offering to cook and bring food to people and, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. But I've also seen some of the worst parts of humanity in that forum. And I saw, like, the longest threads bickering about what you're talking about, people who were really upset about the people who um, have so-called hoarded Uh, supplies, which by the way, I think a lot of this so-called hoarding, is not necessarily the hoarding. It's not like people with garages full of toilet paper. I think it's just like most people went out and got two big packs of it or something. And then if everybody's doing that, then the supply is going to be depleted. It's not like your neighbor is buying a hundred packages of the bulk. Um, But anyway. No, and, and,
0: wait, I just want to make, and there are people who Um, You can so everyone can easily after a little time everyone can easily have a year supply of everything You just buy a little bit more every time and store it and eventually you get a year supply so like There's plenty of people who have shit ton of supplies That didn't need to buy one damn thing in the last few months like they already they didn't ruin your Like supplies of things. They were just ahead of you by years
1: Right. Well, so here's the, here's the, and somebody says, who cares if they did buy a hundred pack little ragamuffin says that's their right to do that. It's true. It's true. I'm just saying in general, I don't think the idea that in this forum, for example, there's people in this forum women who seem to believe that all of their neighbors are horrible people and that they're all secretly hoarding hundreds of packs And I don't think they are, no. but, um, but so, so the worst I saw was people bickering about the grocery store shortages and people and everyone starts making demands of everyone else and the funniest i saw were the people who started saying you know and now all the baby wipes are gone if you don't have a baby you shouldn't be able to buy baby wipes and like and then and then it devolved into this fighting of like older women saying you millennial women need to learn how to wipe a baby's butt without a disposable wipe in my day we used a cloth and we cleaned it and then it was just like this whole thing about like you should have to bring your baby to show that you have a baby in order to buy baby wipes right and those are the
0: people that i just (laughs) want to not be part of western civilization at all like if that's your attitude you don't belong here there are lots of other countries in the world you can go to where they don't have any freedom go there uh here we take care of ourselves we don't, yeah. we don't, we don't, you know, we don't make sure you have a baby to buy baby wipes.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. If you yes. buy
0: baby wipes in anticipation of having a baby, is that also wrong? And then if you have like a miscarriage or something, like, do you have to return the baby wipes? How does that work?
1: I don't know. <laughs> By the way, I've always bought baby wipes. It's not because of the apocalypse. I mean, I just use baby wipes.
0: Right. And and by the way, just to point out for the retards who don't understand how capitalism works, the fact that people who don't have babies buy baby wipes makes baby wipes cheaper for everyone who does have babies. Mm. That's how it works, everyone. (laughs) That's how mass production works. So you should be thankful that other people want baby wipes.
1: I really want you to join my forum because I think it would be funny if you were in there.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to do online arguing with I know. stupid people.
1: No, I'm not arguing. I just want you to witness this. Oh,
0: maybe anyway, I'll, I'm I'll sure I'll, I'll witness keep it. Yeah, okay. it. <laughs> I'll keep telling you about it.
1: I'll keep telling you about it. Okay, well, guys, thank you for joining us. We push book club because some people have been distracted, me, <laughs> and unable to focus and... That's awesome. But also, I know there were people in chat and people in the book club who said they were unable to focus on the book. And I agree. Well, to be Um, clear,
0: Carrie, by the way, only one person sent an email about joining the discussion. One. So, yeah, I mean, fine. People are person. We can have a discussion with him. But if you want to join, you got to send us an email.
1: Well, people have been distracted, but I know for a fact, there are more people reading this book than any of our previous book clubs. I know because people on Instagram who've never joined book club before are reading it and they're talking to me about it. Oh, and so I wanted, we wanted to give people an extra week. Um, and so we're going to be doing it this coming Sunday, the 29th at 7 PM central time. So you have another week to finish reading the madness of crowds.
0: <laughs> you and no, wait, 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 told- Texas lady. You got to stop saying central time. No one on Earth knows what the hell central time is. It's 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. No one knows central. Who in chat knows central time other than the coal of the mountain people?
1: Texas time, 7 (laughs) p.m. Texas time. And (laughs) you guys, and if you want to join us, please drop an email to speak at unsafespace.com. You can join us on camera or you can just join us in the chat like you are today. Um, yeah, see, Ma- Maggie's Grace says, say Texas time. I know, Grace. they're all like, Maggie, I
0: know, I know. Yeah, okay, fine, great.
1: <laughs> Maggie's in Texas. Um, thank you guys for joining us. You can support us um, online at subscribestar.com. Look for unsafe space. You can give us a one time tip or you can give us a monthly donation. Any amount helps, even a dollar. Um, And thank you again to Little Ragamuffin and to all the people who um, are working with her for the Unsafe Space raffle. That's really cool. Um, We were pleasantly surprised. And thank you guys for the surprise. It's really kind. Um, You guys can find out about it at Little Ragamuffin's Instagram. You can see what all the prize levels are. And thank you to everyone who donated today in Super Chat.
0: All righty. Thanks, everyone. Uh, We will see you Friday, if not before.